This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Manscaped. For 20% off and free shipping, visit manscaped.com and use the code PROBABLY. <laughs> Several times. and um... You have to do your flagellations. Uh-huh. Yep. I, yep. I do a lot of those. I have one of those little weird back whip things. Um, flog? Yeah. Flail? What are those called? Scourges? Yes, Ooh, I think they is are. It? I think they're called scourges. Those okay. leather things with the... You would, you would know better than we would, I think. Yes, yes. In fact, I'll be confident with it. They're called scourges. Scourges. Okay. <laughs> Wait, why? Is that something we should say for the pod? What's going on? We got a, Are we doing a Dominatrix uh, episode? No, no, oh, no, no, uh, no. the opposite. Kind no, of. no, uh, uh, born again Christian, lot of uh, oh, okay, uh, yes, that kind of stuff. There we go. Well, yeah, you yeah. never know when someone brings up a scourge. No, you that's know? true. You never know. That's true. It you could never go know. either way. It could totally go either way. Yeah, really yeah. But looking this up, you were a hundred percent right. I do like that you had to downplay it as if you weren't sure. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what he was thinking of. <laughs> I do that too. Sometimes I'll I'll like feign ignorance about something if I am embarrassed about knowing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Right, 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 right. Um, like, I know way too much about Hitler. Way too much. <laughs> Where, like, it's it's like not okay, you know? I um, think his dog's name was Blondie. Yep. His dog's <laughs> name was, his dog's was, name was true. Blondie. It is true. Um, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing you might go, I think. <laughs> right, right. But it's, uh, you know, it's because I, I find it all fascinating and never want anything like that to happen again ever. But but it's weird, like at a bar when I'm just like, Hitler fact, and that's not, <laughs> yes, it's not yes, okay, yes, you know? Yes, totally. Yes, yes. One of two ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, By the way, is uh, this is this part of the show? You think? I yeah, I think it's part of the show. I, I, think, we, or, I think we can sure. squeak, maybe a little pre-roll. Um, well, should I we think, kick off? I think we just we fade in. I think we just fade in with that. That was yeah. obviously gold. Probably science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I am Andy Wood, and I'm Jesse Case. You got, you got you got a little preamble. You got a little sneak peek there. Yeah, yeah, that was the. That's how the sausage is made. As you can see, we're way funnier when we're not recording. We're um, when we forgot that we're recording. Yeah, when we forget, we hate being observed. We we don't, <laughs> we don't like it. It makes us nervous. It's the Heisenberg principle is that it? Heisenberg. Yes. You guys should know. I don't know this sure. shit. <laughs> wow, Matt, your voice has changed. Um, no, 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 Jesse, you're wrong about that. That's actually the voice that you've you've already heard. If, you, if we do leave that ta- pre-roll in that. I thought you were doing impressions. I thought you were... Returning guest, friend of the show, Maggie Rowe, who has a new book out. Oh. Yeah. Ma- Maggie was on a few a few years ago when she just written the book Sin Bravely, which was about going way too far into born-again Christianity mixed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, that was a great book. And now now a new, brand new book. Brand new book just out, Easy Street, which I, I just started yesterday. I just got hold of. So I'm already, I'm plowing through it. I'm already enjoying it a lot. But um, welcome back, May. Thank you. It's nice to be back with science people. As if I were, ever, like, no science conversations have happened with me in the last four years since I was on this show. <laughs> have they well, not even, there must years, be one. Well, I mean, yeah, during COVID, there wasn't anybody who was trying to talk to you about... Uh... No, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, what did happen is my... I, you know, I had a, a high school friend who became a flat earther and talked a lot of science to me about that one. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just, what was just, it? 
Um, science, science words, anyway. Use a lot of science words. Yeah. Yes, a lot of science words. Like, have you guys ever thought, if we're spinning around on the Earth, why is wind not blowing through our hair? <laughs> sure. They, they, they never thought because the air is spinning also? Why wouldn't that be a thing they could think? I, I, think, that was, I think that's step two. That's okay. like a chess move too many, maybe. Yeah. Right, right. Very interesting. So, um, Maggie, I, I was not here for your last episode, so this is the first time first time hearing of all this. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, born-again Christian, OCD stuff, very interesting. I, too, uh, am a member of the OCD club. Oh. Um, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. It, uh, you know, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it I, sucks. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Now, Sorry mind manifests, particularly, they call it pure O, which I kind of like. It, it makes me seem like there's something elegant and simplistic about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the name of a Vegas stuff, yeah. review. <laughs> it's unsullied. Um, uh, but so mine does not have uh, physical compulsions. Mine is purely internal. This is what oh, same. Uh, no, same here. And that's why, like, this is all very recent for me. Like, uh, the diagnosis was pretty recent because... I'd always assumed it was like the movies. You know how like um like in the movies like Tourette's people just like scream expletives or whatever but that's yes, like yes. that's not really what it's like at all, you know? And so I thought OCD was like it is in the movies where you're always washing your hands or flicking yeah, lights yeah. or whatever. Um and I didn't realize it was just this it for me like a totally just internal like you can't stop thinking about something. So it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm a new, I'm a new addition. You know much more about it than me. But I got, I got the books. I got the SSRIs. I'm going for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting that that came to you later in life because I feel like there has been more press or you know not, but it's part of our culture more the the compulsions. Like people are aware of ticks. They're aware even like shows like Monk popularized. Right, right. But the internal ones. Right. It's different. And actually, my book is about, um, uh, so very briefly, my husband met a mother and daughter uh, about 12 years ago outside of Kukuru, the chicken place, and gave them money for lunch. And then uh, we kind of befriended this mother and daughter and kind of helped them out. And when the mother died... I became the daughter's legal representative. <laughs> wow. Um, and the kind of comedic part of the whole thing is that uh, Joanna is in love with my husband and would love to replace me and take my life. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the title comes from, uh, the title is Easy Street, and it comes from Joanna saying to me, it must, it must be nice, Maggie. It must be nice to live on Easy Street where you have everything taken care of. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> It's about how we both have a psychological challenge, but mine is very hidden, whereas hers is very apparent. Uh, she is neuro- neurodiverse, I believe is the correct term. Uh, but yeah, it's the difference between uh, a disorder that's manifest and one that's, you know, under the covers. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. And... And, and, and wow. you're right. The OCD thing, it's it's it is everywhere in culture, and it's also sort of like mislabeled. Like whenever someone is just like 
fastidious or something. Or, exactly. You know, they, 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 no, you just totally like things true. clean. What are you talking about? That's it's not, totally, that's, totally. You're right. right. That's become uh, th- that's become just kind of lingo for. Um, they like all of their shirts arranged by color. OCD. <laughs> right. Whereas, like, you know, in your in your first book, when you were talking about, you went way down into religion before you then sort of came out the other side, but you, st- you still have the remnants of it. Like, you don't believe in God anymore, but you still have the kind of, like, trappings of having been someone who was obsessed with Christianity. Uh, and now you have the... Now in this new book, you've got, you know, you've got the... the the obsessions with envy that yourself, but again, like you say, it's hidden, whereas she, her envy is on its like one on its sleeve and she's glaring at you while you're helping her out yes yeah and as the book goes i have a it's not a it's not a spoiler i have a resurgence of my ocd that i had when i was a child so later on in the book um and that so actually the beginning of the book i'm dealing with envy which you know it's it's a struggle that anyone goes through and then the bottom drops out and uh you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a, you know, a, a kind of deeper problem. Uh, but anyway, I call it a, a I call it a dark buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me and Joanna, uh, two middle-aged ladies, <laughs> making our way through uh, Tinseltown with uh, uh, with a few challenges in our. Cr- picturing <laughs> the opening sequence to Laverne and Shirley. Is it like that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Well, I- always th- I mean we're we're an unlikely pair uh if you saw us together I, you know income bracket and education and um uh, just our manner how we uh present ourselves so it's funny when people see us together I always I always str- I see them doing that how are they related is that a sister are they the same <laughs> but like <laughs> how did these two come together and I always like have this fantasy of going hey, my husband met them outside of Kukuru. It's a charboard franchise. You know? <laughs> Is Kukuru still around? Well, yeah, it's part of, it's actually my book. It got replaced by Chipotle. The sands oh, of time. That, that's um, where it is. Okay. Yeah. Have they, oh, okay. Had they not reached, I mean, because I would imagine they would reach out to you about this now. Like, that would be their new sort of commercial. Would be oh, like, you, could, be you could meet your daughter here. Yes, totally. <laughs> Come on down, meet your daughter. <laughs> yes, totally. Uh, yeah, Kukuru making connections. Three sides. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, we did. That's where the four of us, uh, before the mother passed, uh, the four of us would eat <laughs> Kukuru and we would we would get the Supreme Originals, all four of us. That is a good ad for Kukuru. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how, how old is Joanna again? Uh, she is 56. Okay. So she is older than me, just for everyone. <laughs> uh, but not by much, yeah. Uh, and you see, so, her, you see her pretty often still these days? I do, yeah. Uh, so... When her mother passed, initially, uh, she became a big part of my life. She didn't know anyone besides me and my husband uh, and had never lived on her own or without her mother. You know, she didn't know how to do the basics of cooking or cleaning or, you know, um, all those things. So with the help of a lot of different services, uh, uh, largely a little shout out to Good Shepherd Catholic Charities, really helped kind of teach her some life skills and now a little bit of a success story she's living on her own in a small apartment she's within walking distance of our house and uh 
uh, she's, I think she's, she's thriving. She's still alone. Um, one day it would be great if she met a friend, you know, mm-hmm. or I want to get her on that show, Love on the Spectrum. Oh uh, my <laughs> God. That show is the best. Wow. Yeah. My favorite show. It's I, I, I haven't seen the show. I've seen, uh, what, what's going, what is this? Love on the Spectrum. I mean, I it's guess it's Aus- in the name. Australian but... reality show. Yeah, it's it's, um... it's... it's exactly what it sounds like it is, but it's also, as far as sort of reality shows go, it seems to have very pure intentions, and it's just a delight. Right, it's not like diminishing or some no, sort no, of... No, 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 no. It, no, it's... You sort of come out of it just going like, that's lovely, and I want all of these people to be happy. Hmm. Yes! Yeah, cool. it's a... It's, it's, but, uh... But... Joanna is on the the spectrum. So yeah, I just recently came upon this show and I'm like, if they do the American version, the only worry is if they do the American version, if they then American it and just like have like, they'd be like a point system or something. (laughs) Right. One of them wins a car at the end of the episode. uh, Yeah. I've seen swingers with IBS. Um, (laughs) Okay. I mean, it was like kind of weird, but, um, uh, you know, swingers with IBS. Very, very funny. (laughs) Um, yeah, love on the spectrum. I'll check that out. What platform is that? I mean, we're, we're plugging the book. But, but Netflix. Okay. But then back to the book, back to the thing everyone should buy. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, yeah, so so she's doing well. She loves the Golden Girls more than any other show, and my husband wrote for the Golden Girls. Oh, Whoa. that's cool. Yes, so the connection there, she had actually seen his name for years on the credits to the Golden Girls, and she knows all the credits. She knows the names of the shows. She knows all the facts about all those four women you know, their hometowns, their maiden names, their ex-husbands, their different talents. You know, she knows everything. So when they met outside of Kukuru, she was indeed pleased to find out that he was Jim Vallely from the Golden Girls. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> what are chances? Yeah. That's wow. Cool. So you were you were writing this this whole book during COVID times? Yeah, I had start, I'd been working on it for about two years. So uh, during COVID times, I was in edits with the oh, okay. uh, with the publisher. Yeah, I did about a, probably a year's worth of edits, um, which I was really happy to be able to do. Um, and perfect for the pandemic. I was going to say, that's a pretty productive use of your time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was and, really good for me, actually. And also um, a major success for OCD. I would think five years of edits, minimum. <laughs> right. <I> would, <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. That is a little bit of OCD. Uh, yeah. uh, no, a year of edits isn't bad. I think. I think like yeah. man, you, you're you're getting this thing handled. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been in edits for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the receipts for OCD. <laughs> yeah. No. Very cool. How many revisions? And the book is currently for sale, right? We will link to it yeah. if that is the case. Excellent. Yeah, it okay. is. Yeah. Already, already started notes. it. Already oh, got into cool. it. It, it is it is also very funny. I, sh- I like I don't think as as you'd expect from a comedy writer as well. I don't want that to be missed in there. So highly recommend it. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So uh we should get into some stories. Is, is that what we're doing? I think we should. I think I that is what our show is. <laughs> okay. So, okay. 
there, there, there's something I, I don't quite understand. There's a space story that I don't fully understand, which is always a good start. Well, but uh, look, being we sent should, in by a few people. We should ask the questions that we always ask, of course. Um, uh, oh, we did, we did already ask this last time because oh, this yeah. is a returning guest. Unless okay. you were about to ask a different question. No, I was going to. I mean, I wasn't here for it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, what, Ma- you know what Maggie's I mean? science background is? Yeah. <laughs> well, or, well, oh, okay. Or should people just go listen to the other? Can I find? No, I'll find fine. out later. Yes. I don't know. Oh, I, 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 I very nil. Uh, uh, um, I think the last science class I took was physics for poets in college. I think everyone had one of those. Yeah. And uh, and then one about paint. Um, and it had to was in a Renaissance lit yeah, like it was compared but it had to do not lit uh, like art history but it it had to do with the science behind paintings and what was behind you know it was incredibly specific but it mm. got anyone that had any arty bent we were like it's painting <laughs> wow what's you guys what's your take on renaissance fairs are you guys into them <laughs> I've never been to one. I do want to go someday but um I, I went one? Holly took me to one once about 5 years ago and I I I don't even know what it was that, like, I, it was too weird to be offensive, but also too, like, it was No, I know. Just, I know. It's its own thing. It's not really, you know, the Renaissance It's not all. the Renaissance. There were definitely a bunch of people sort of doing my accent badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I realized there was one point where I asked for directions, and then someone replied in an English accent, and then I realized he probably thought I was also doing an accent. Oh, people think... <laughs> People assume you're a character at the ring. You you get in for free, even though I was just wearing like jeans <laughs> and a button down. Wow, that's really fun. If you if you really liked Renaissance fairs, that would be a great way to just crash any of them. Even if yeah. you just put on you know little knickers or anything. Just, but but just also I, token. I I don't think you even would get in for free now because now everyone dresses up. Like this is what I felt. So I, oh, right. I I know very little about the whole deal, but I do know. So Holly, Holly worked in one as a teenager, so she's got the full inside scoop. Like she was, she she was a nun. She was a maid. She she conduct she helped conduct weddings, like uh, a little ren fair weddings that people had. Um, but That's a pretty great job. I think yeah. it's a good job if you're if you're a sort of like you know, teenage theater kid, and all the other teenage theater kids. That's their summer job. Oh um, yeah. But, oh my god! I feel like that's like a dream summer. Yeah, I think she did enjoy it. I think they paid them almost nothing, but I think, from my understanding, it was a fun job. But also, from my understanding, back in the day, only really the characters, only the paid people, were dressed up, and then everyone else was sort of just going there and pointing at them like they were on exhibit. Right. Whereas now, it's the it's like Comic Con, like the line between people who are paid to be there and people who are just enthusiasts is completely blurred, and it's now. So now everyone who's there, the vast majority, have dressed up as some in some way or another. Well, it's it's interesting to me how it's um, not only blurs, I'd say, 500, 600 years of history together. Like, <laughs> right. Like, you know, in a, like people are dressed like Knights Templars. But then because like the Renaissance was pretty, pretty boring. It would be like you'd watch a man build a cello. You know, <laughs> at the, at the they're not dressing as Copernicus or something. It doesn't right. seem like it's <laughs> right. But just also, doing some vivisection in the middle of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd uh, you go to the Renaissance Fair and watch an autopsy, and then go home. Um, but there's there's also like uh, people are bringing in just fantasy, like people are dressed like fairies and stuff. 
Uh, you know, people which is, dressed which was way elves. before that. That was at yeah. least 200 years before that. There's a lot yes. of medieval. <laughs> the rise of the fairies, as yeah. we all remember, when fairies roamed the earth. Um, and I said knickers. <laughs> that, that was my idea of what the time period was. Yeah, I just... <laughs> which also, by the way, took a second of translating in my head, because in Britain, that's like women's underwear. That's like, that's what you would call panties. So oh. I was just like picturing kind of like a thong, or like just like frilly, <laughs> oh, right. like lingerie. <laughs> just, oh, right. And then no, also you mean kind of like okay, like the kind of like Elizabethan or whatever like right, pantaloons, right? right. right. The, the yeah, things. I wonder. It makes me wonder, especially in I, I guess the reason I was thinking about this is, um, Maggie, you're saying like your friend is a flat earther and stuff. Yeah. I I wonder. Uh, let's say in 500 years, if there's some Millennium Fair uh, or something. Oh. I, just, I just wonder the amount of like complete like like we already have so much misinformation it, i just wonder like what 500 years will be combined where like people will be uh, yeah. dressed dressed like darth vader thinking they're dressed like bin laden <laughs> but they're but you know what i'm saying like but they think darth vader was real or i i don't know right don't or the know. guy with the the horns from <laughs> with the blue face January sixth guy, the yeah, QAnon shaman. Guy. Yeah, the yeah, QAnon the shaman, shaman guy. guy, but but like that's gonna look like you know, years later. That's what people always did during that hundred years. Yeah, that's how people <laughs> protest back then. Who knows? It, yeah, that's how it, everyone dressed. That was the that, fashion. That it's was, also with, yeah, who will persist? How long will it be before the people who were just considered monsters is just this sort of historical curiosity? You know, this the same way right. like um uh I mean, there's there's Pixar movies about Vikings, you right? Know? It, it's like when enough time goes by, it's just kind of a funny, weird thing. Yeah, you know, like, uh, and, right. like when and Eric Andre had his birthday party and they had the inflatable Titanic slide that you go down. It's like, whoa! It's only been a hundred years. Like you wouldn't have the how, how soon until you could slide down the twin towers at a kid's birthday, basically. I don't know. I think two two hundred years. I think when when the children of people that remember it have passed. I yeah. think you start. Yeah. yeah, that's well. The first step is when you get into Halloween costumes. Halloween costumes are the first. Like when something becomes a sexy right. costume, like if you're a, um, you know, sexy Titanic captain or something. That's the first step. <laughs> right. And then after <laughs> after that, it sort of goes on out. But I mean, the most Tell horrible like- things you can imagine in recent history will one day just be commodified as an oddity. Well, like Genghis Khan, for example, is not. There's nothing. Like murdered, like slaughtered, huge numbers of people. Yeah, but that's not like anyone's like, oh, you can't do, you can't joke about Genghis Khan. Or you can't have Bill and Ted make him a lovable. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. I saw a kid for Halloween this year. There was a kid, or probably a teenager, that was dressed as Charles Manson in the, uh, <laughs> in the orange jumpsuit and the crazy hair. And did did he do the swastika on his forehead? <laughs> oh, that would. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> Wow, uh, I, I would, I would, 30, I, 40 years. I know. Yeah, I mean that's that's now. that's not only within living memory, but that was like here. That was in this city. That, in, was, in, like, that was like that was like ten miles north. Of it. Right. In in my mind, Maggie, he was clearly just being Chucky. But you're so weird. It's like look at that Charles Manson. Guy. <laughs> look at him. That's crazy. It's so offensive. And he's like, what? There's, there was a whole movie. There was a whole movie series. He was like Charles Manson, but like in overalls and a striped shirt, crazy hair. 
<laughs> By the way, I'm trusting my own perception of that. I don't have a corroborator here for this story. Did you guys hear? I didn't know that the the site of the Manson murders is, was then. It's a newer mansion. I just put a link to it, and it was owned by one of the Full House creators who just put it up for sale for eighty five million. No. Wow. Yeah, maybe it wasn't like the main. Let me see if it was the actual like. Um, also, I I hadn't Tate. Uh, that is a much bigger estate than I thought it was. Um, yeah. That's a person who is not superstitious at all. I know. Like, that's I a no rationalist. Idea. Somebody that buys the Charles Manson house and is like, nah, there are no bad vibes. It's just a house. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd also... No, this is this is the this house. This is the main where... murder place, not the because uh, there was that other murder that was like a couple that were like in Los right. Feliz. It isn't talked about as much, right? The uh, La Biancas. Right, right. Yeah, but this is but the this place. Is like this the, is the, the Sharon Tate. Tate. The yeah. Tate Wait, house. but it's the plot. Yeah. Um, not, okay, right. There. So it used to be a much smaller house that was on that plot, and I think they probably leveled that and some neighboring houses and built this ridiculous mega mansion. Eighty-five um, million to live where the Manson murders happened. It's insane. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I remember. I'm sure I saw pictures of the house, like like. At, from the time, contemporary photos, and it wasn't like that. Yeah, it was pretty modest, I think. Um, it must be. It must not just be a rationalist. There must be something macabre there. Like you don't. Maybe just... I don't know. Like like if you're in a, a real expensive area and you get like, oh, they'll knock half a million off because yeah, it's where this true, thing happened. I, like I'm not superstitious at all, but I would I would not move there just because of like the daily like goths that stop and take photos of your house. Right. <laughs> You're like this is horrible, you know. I I've told you before I lived on the same street that a, a famous or oh, infamous serial killer lived on in yes, London. Yes, I did. Well, tell me again though, because I can't remember. Yes, it, it, uh, it was um, it was Nielsen. Um, it was Cranley Gardens in in North London. And he killed, uh, it was the last place he was. Dennis Nilsson killed like 12, I think it was 12 people. And the final address was on Cranny Gardens, the other end of the street to where we used to live. But mm. uh, I think they left that they they left that building up. And they discovered him eventually because the drains were blocked. Oh, that'll uh, do it. Yeah. With, with, with what, exactly what you think they were blocked with. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you got to clean out those drains. That's just yeah. serial killing yeah, 101. Oh, he, he tried to get away with it. Sorry, Maggie, what you say? Oh, just, I said Serial Killer 101. That's what yeah. they tell you. Clean yeah, you just, drains, you, you gotta have basics. a better system. Yeah. <laughs> um, he died quite recently. I think, was he a, was he a COVID? No, he died in 2018. He died four years ago. So, um, R.I.P. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis well, Nilsson. Speaking you, of, uh, oh, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say he, um, uh, yeah, so he, he tried to cover it up as well, like, he, with the, um, like the neighbors were sort of like, what, what's all this stuff in the drain? So they got the people out and then he tried to replace it with chicken bones quickly. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's but then the police still went into his apartment and they're like, what's this in the company? He's like, yeah, sorry, I'm a serial killer. Wow. <laughs> you got me. That's like yeah. If it, yeah. Like if a serial, it, I don't know. Like if, um, that's like if a serial killing bust was like also like a Wonder Years episode or something. You tried to replace it with chicken bones. Yeah, Try to think like, think quick. It's a good pivot. It's a good yeah. like, act break pivot. I yeah. know what we'll do. <laughs> um, guys, speaking of um, holding people captive, monsters that hold people captive. Um, <laughs> have you guys heard of these uh, giant destructive monsters that hold light captive? We're talking black holes, you guys. Uh, oh, <laughs> have you heard of it? Thank you, Maggie. I'm known. 
I'm n- I know I wasn't here last time. I yeah, yeah. last my... time last time we did the show, you were really we were missing Je- Jesse's uh, segues, but we've got the back True. now. My uh, ass was trying to murder me, but now I'm back. Um, I'm back, and we're talking black holes, everybody. Speaking yeah. of, I, I guess that's another segue, maybe. Yeah, um, this is this was tweeted at us by Roguish Zeph. I think we also got it emailed in a few times as well. And the first couple of times I got it emailed in, I was like, I don't understand this story, but we've had it too many times now, and I think we have to cover it because because uh, this is a, a new this is a new discovery by Hubble discovered mm. a black hole igniting a star formation in a dwarf galaxy. That's a lot of phrases. Um, yeah, well, in a lot of big stuff. headline. This will blow your flat earther friend's mind. He won't even acknowledge this. Well, except it won't because, like, to to a pure flat earther, this is just just lie upon lie. Like, no no part of this is true. Well, that's what I mean. Space doesn't exist. They're they're just just making stuff up now. Yeah, the story story might as well just be, like, Mickey Mouse has a new hat. Okay, fine, whatever. (laughs) They've made up a different thing about this thing they've made up. Um, Right, right. So this is this is straight from NASA.gov. We've gone straight straight to the source. Yep, they heard, they heard a black hole. The Hubble caught caught a black hole doing some Lamaze and was figuring <laughs> out what's going on out there. Um, so this, so where where is this thing, Matt? Where is this this black hole? It's quite a way away. It's quite a distance away. Hubble's space telescope has seen it. So this it's at the heart of the dwarf galaxy uh, Henese two ten. Which is creating the black hole is creating stars rather than gobbling them up, is apparently contributing to the firestorm of new star formations taking place in the galaxy. The dwarf galaxy lies just a mere thirty million light years away in the southern constellation uh, Pyxis. Pyxis. P Y X I S. Well, I, I I don't know. It sounds like nothing about Pyxis has ever been controversial or debated or anything. So. <laughs> It's, oh no! It's actually um, so a decade ago. So for the last ten years, Jesse, it set off debate amongst astronomers as to whether no. dwarf galaxies were home to black holes proportional to the supermassive ones at the heart of larger galaxies. This new discovery has little Henze 210 containing only one tenth the number of stars found in our Milky Way, poised to play a big part in solving the mystery of where supermassive black holes came from in the first place. So Amy Renz, who published the first evidence for a black hole in the galaxy ten years ago, said. Uh, as a graduate student back then, thinking I w- would spend my career on star formation, I looked at the data from Henze 10 to 210 and everything changed. I uh, bet it would take a long, long time to figure out something unusual and special was happening. No, so right from the beginning, Je- Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> right from the beginning, Amy Rand says, uh, I knew something unusual and special was happening. She used those exact words? Yeah, that's exactly. I am 0 for 10 today. This is horrible. It's <laughs> mob. It's, it's astonishing, really. I don't know how you're doing this. He's like the opposite of an infomercial straight man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or he is an infomercial straight man, maybe. Right, right. Well, I like that it's a very positive science story. The creation yeah. of stars, instead of sucking them up. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm glad the universe is funny. Unless we've already got too many stars. I don't know where, I don't know where science stands right now and whether we have... Yeah. Too many, not enough, or exactly the right amount. I think with TikTok and stuff, way too many. I, you know, I can't keep up. Um, so, so how's so, this happening, Matt? How's so this? Hubble has provided a very clear picture of the connection between the black hole and a neighboring star formation located, located 230 light years from the black hole. That oh, connection a star, is a star-forming region. A star-forming region. Sorry, my apologies. You're absolutely right. So oh. that connection is an outflow of gas stretching across space like an umbilical cord to a bright oh. stellar nursery. The region was already home to a dense cocoon of gas when the low-velocity outflow arrived. Hubble spectro- spectroscopy 
shows the outflow was moving about one million miles an hour, slamming into the dense gas like a garden hose hitting a pile of dirt and spreading it out. The, the newborn star clusters dot the path of the outflow spread, their ages also calculated by Hubble. So this is the opposite effect of what's seen in larger galaxies where material falling towards the black hole is whisked away by surrounding magnetic fields forming blazing jets of plasma moving near to the speed of light. Everybody knows that. Yeah, we all knew that. So gas clouds caught in the jet path will be heated far beyond their ability to cool back down and form stars. But with the less massive black hole in Henze 210 and its gentler outflow, gas was compressed just long enough to precipitate the new star formation. So very this interesting. Very, this is very florid prose. Yeah. I know. I think, I think NASA's <laughs> like really invested. Like twisted. <laughs> yeah, NASA's really take, taken a step up in their science writing, in their outreach. <laughs> well, yeah, this is what happens when you, when you start recruiting at different universities. They're yeah. Hanging out outside of. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say a, a physics from po- for poets graduate. <laughs> yeah, has yes, totally dare dare I in. say a. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally a physics for poets gal. <laughs> yeah, you could have. This could have been you, Maggie, if you hadn't gone down the know, TV writing exactly. route. Yes. I was like, whoa, and then they carried it through with umbilical cord and nursery. Yeah, right. My yep. goodness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <they'd... laughs> but yeah, what a what a. What? What's for pro? So Zachary Shute, who's Ren's grad student and lead author of this new study, says at only 30 million light years away, Henze 210 is close enough that Hubble was able to capture both images and spectroscopic evidence of a black hole outflow very clearly. The additional surprise was that rather than suppressing the star formation, the outflow was triggering the birth of new stars. Ever since mm. her first discovery of distinctive radio and X-ray emissions in Henze 210, Ren's has thought they come likely come from a massive black hole but not as supermassive as those seen in other galaxies i'm glad all the astronomers agreed on that just all of yeah. them across the <laughs> but you know? well actually other astronomers thought that the radiation was more likely being emitted by a supernova remnant which would be a familiar occurrence in a galaxy that is rapidly pumping out massive stars that quickly explode, explode. See, pumping out sound- as well pumping yeah it sounds like this is i don't even know how they did this because it sounds like it's all too low resolution and stuff you know no jesse jesse what? What? Hubble's amazing resolution clearly shows what? a corkscrew-like pattern in the velocity <laughs> of the gas, which which we can fit to the model of a precessing or wobbling outflow from black hole, says Renz. A supernova remnant would not have that pattern, and so it's effectively our smoking gun proof that this is a black hole. And, Man. Oh. And Renz expects that even more research will be directed at a dwarf galaxy black hole in the future, with the aim of using them as clues to the mystery of how supermassive black holes came to be in the early universe. It's a persistent puzzle for astronomers. The relationship between the mass of the galaxy and its black hole can provide clues. And the black hole in Henze 210 is around a million solar masses. In larger galaxies, black holes can be more than one billion times our sun's mass. The more massive the host galaxy, the more massive the central black hole. I I guess I didn't realize there was an outflow boundary. That's what's new to me in all this. Now, maybe that's just a well-known thing about black holes. I'm going to be honest. I don't think about them a lot. You know, I don't drive around <laughs> thinking about black holes all day. It's but not... it'd be, it would be dangerous to do that. Yeah, yeah. That would be pure O from the OCD realm. <laughs> yes, pure. O. I can't. Really, st- really pure. Just black holes. Yeah, just black holes. Um, yeah. So the wait, the outflow boundary meaning that, that there's a li- wait, what is it that you just learned that you didn't understand before? Well, I mean, there's so it says here that there's this black hole. That is, it's 30 million light years away from us. Um, 
but then the the star forming i guess what i mean is there's the there was the star forming region which was like 230 light years away from that right right so it was starting to it so it was acting like this sort of a tunnel but it wasn't quite strong enough to cause all the gases to just like flare out it was forming it was like just enough gravity to help stars form right but not have it but be so like, hot yeah but i didn't know there was like an outer zone i mean i guess that makes sense that because otherwise like one black hole would pop up in the universe and everything would go into it right um yeah, I, still, just, I can't believe 230 light years away is where that star forming region is when like the nearest star to us besides the sun is only like four light years away. So 230 light years away and the black hole is influencing with its gravity yeah. something that's, you know, I'm starting yeah. to think we don't know everything about all that stuff <laughs> out there. I'm getting I'm starting to uh, think we're still learning stuff. Okay, well, th- there I'm is a bit of the article left. Oh, yes. So maybe that'll tell you everything. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to make a comparison here. I'm going to use the word star in a different sense. How about that? I used to, just trying to be funny. Um, I used to work at a place called John Robert Powers. It was a school. They taught acting, modeling, and life. The triumvirate. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but every Sunday, they, had, they scouted for star potential. Um, and it was as so you guys were talking about that. I'm like the uh, star forming star zone, forming that zone, star yeah. potential, well, and John Robert Power. Well, what well, well, were their star criteria? <laughs> when they, um, I think ultimately it was if your check cleared. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but but they made it. If, oh, but they did it so well. They made it as if it were the most exclusive place where stars were formed and they had, um, you know, uh, old school stars like Cary Grant and then more recent ones like Elizabeth Taylor. You know, they were all like, <laughs> <laughs> they were all like at least 50 years ago. <laughs> I'm looking at the website of John Robert Powers and it says in the 1920s, John Robert Powers came to New York City to pursue an acting career. One day he needed to gather a group of attractive people. <laughs> For a magazine advertisement. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, by the way, Powers believed there was no such thing as an unattractive person. Only oh! people, only people who did not know how to make the most of themselves. Exactly. That was that was one of our. That's I taught that. <laughs> he encourages his female students to quote make down instead of make up. I don't know what that means, but okay, it sounds like a good little catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was the old, yeah, make down ass up. It's the old acting. <laughs> Everybody, everyone's heard that. Um, everyone knows how it works, you know? Come on. Yeah. O- open secret. Um, this episode is generously sponsored by our friends over at Manscaped. You've heard us rave about them and all the great products they have for trimming hair anywhere on your body, but they are specifically the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. If you go to manscaped.com right now and use the code PROBABLY, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. They have a wide range of great products to choose from. You can get their Performance Package 4.0, which includes the signature Lawnmower 4.0, which is an electric trimmer designed to trim hair on loose skin. It has advanced skin-safe technology that reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate bits. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight to make sure you can see what you're working on. I'm also a huge fan of their Ultra Premium Body Wash. I use that every day. It smells great. They have tons of great products for maintaining hair elsewhere. I use the ear and nose trimmer and it is 
so much better than I don't know if you've ever tried one of those cheapo drugstore ones, uh, but nothing worse than getting a nick inside your nostril. And that has never happened to me with a Manscaped product. So if you want to take care of any hairs, basically anywhere, I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. If you've got hair somewhere that you want maintained, Manscaped has something for you, but specifically blow the waist in general. So visit manscaped.com and use the code probably and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Go get yourself some. Sorry, Matt, there was like one more paragraph, I believe, to the story. No? Oh, well, they, they were just, so there were, there were a few theories onto the origin of supermassive black holes. Um, I also just inhaled some water. That's what's going on with my voice right now. That's why I was muted for the past five minutes while, while you were talking. I was just like, just choking. Um, but so, so the theories are that they, they either formed like smaller stellar mass black holes from the implosion of stars and somehow gathered enough material to grow supermassive, or special conditions in the early universe allow for the formation of them, which collapsed to form massive black hole seeds right off the bat. Or, theory three, the seeds of future supermassive black holes were born in dense star clusters where the cluster's overall mass would have been enough to somehow create them from gravitational collapse. Uh, so, so far, none of these theories has taken the lead, but dwarf galaxies like Henzi 210 offer promising clues because they have remained small over cosmic time rather than undergoing the growth and mergers of large galaxies like the Milky Way. Astronomers think that the dwarf galaxy black holes could serve as an analogue for black holes in the early universe when they were just beginning to form and grow. Mm. Ren said, the era of the first black holes is not something we've been able to see, so it's really become the big question, where do they come from? Dwarf galaxies may retain some memory of the black hole seeding scenario that has otherwise been lost to time and space. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I've never liked supermassive black hole as a phrase, you know? Why is that? Because of the song? Well, the song sucks, but also, like, it, it's... Obviously, it was added on later when they discovered, like... Like, when they were naming the black hole sizes, at the time, obviously, they only had massive. And then they found a bigger one, and they're like, shit. We already went with massive. So they had to come up with, like, the extra large version, the Trenta uh, cold brew, you know? And they had to, they had to go with super massive. And I don't know. I've never liked that. I've never, I've never liked when um, someone has already set a system, and then they have to work their way around it because uh, a discovery came later. They didn't plan for it. They didn't future-proof their... Uh... <clears throat> yeah, they didn't future-proof their thing, you know? It's like uh, like how, like how uh, like negative temperature, like Fahrenheit or whatever, you know? Well, it's, I mean, it's... would you have, <laughs> would you have preferred that we started our, our, like, commonplace description of temperatures outside with absolute zero? So it's always at least... You know, well, 200, no, 283 yeah. degrees outside. Yeah, I kind of would. But like Celsius yeah. makes sense to me. It's based on water. So, yeah, negative. Okay. It still has to go negative. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. But it's based on water melting and then boiling and all that. But Fahrenheit is a shit show. And yeah. zero, <laughs> zero degrees Fahrenheit is obviously just some guys like this is probably as cold as it could ever get ever. <laughs> and then it goes below that. And he's like, ah, <laughs> negative. It's neg- minus. It's I minus. <laughs> I gotta put on a coat. It's like when Mr. Fahrenheit decided it was coat weather. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he goes outside and he's like, this is it. Make all the thermometers. And (laughs) it will never get colder than this. It will never get colder than this, I imagine. And, uh, and anyway, it's, it's, so it's like, that's kind of like it with a super massive. They're like, we found a bigger one. Damn it. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. Super it's insanely you, massive. What would you call if now that this if, that there is massive? If you don't want to go super massive, what would you call it? I would call it a, a whole different thing. I mean, there there are um, like a, a black hole is it's just it's a complete absence of. There are many other hole colors that we haven't pursued. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you have red stars and blue stars and all that. Just have a different hole color. And that'd be a different. I. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the black one makes sense because it's like no light gets out. But yeah. 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 Or you could I, name it like they do hurricanes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like give give yeah go cycle through names yeah. alphabetically. Frank. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, how did they yeah. not see? Also, they didn't see this coming with the uh, Greek letter stuff with with delta with delta with uh, coronavirus. Oh yeah. How did they not think ahead? Like you can just. It's it's like not that long of a list. You could have just looked at the letters and been like, "Are we going to have to like not use a significant percentage of these because people will confuse them with words or proper nouns?" Which already which happened twice. They had to skip. Right. Uh, they skipped new. Zai and new and Zai because it looks like the uh, Chinese leader's name. Uh, they didn't want to. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. Oh gee. Yeah. Huh. So <laughs> they, that was very predictable. They could well, have seen. Um, when did they start naming? Like, uh, not to sound old, but I remember when you didn't name a winter storm, <laughs> it would just be like it's going to snow real bad. <laughs> you know, when do they start doing that, man? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Because, like, I guess uh, here, like in Nashville, we just got hit with, like, winter storm Willie or something. I'm like, what? The... <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> when did we? <laughs> when did that happen? Hurricane Jesse would be pretty good. <laughs> sure. I don't know if there's been one. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Well, uh, very interesting. What what else do we have, guys? This is uh... yes, indeed. Let me check. Well, well, there there are a bunch of other sort of space stories, like uh, there's a SpaceX rocket that's crashing into the moon that we haven't talked about yet, mm. and also oh, the right. space station is crashing down on Earth in 2031. We got some uh, time for that one. We got a little time to plan. This, um, the, oh, the, and, the and meanwhile, by the way, also the the James Webb Telescope is has reached its final position. So that's exciting. Oh. Your buddy, your buddy Deepak seems to have done his part of the job well. I forgot what this one. Now I'm just thinking about all the great songs that Telescope wrote. Uh, I'm thinking I got it confused for a second with the James Wood Telescope. And I was like, <laughs> why does the guy have a? What the hell's going on? Wait, wait, <laughs> what, what were you going to say there? What were you going to? I was going to say, why did he turn super, super right wing? But no, 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 totally. But I was just like, why do they name a telescope after James Wood? And then I was like, oh, it's not. I was like picturing that guy as James Webb. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not who it is. Oh. I'm an idiot. I thought you were going to uh, point out another thing about the lore of James Wood, but or James Woods. But no. Okay. No, I mean, James Woods, uh, you know, went off the rails. But we all know that. But um, oh. Maybe the He's- telescope was named after his earlier work. Perhaps. He's got that weird kind of twitchy eye. Maybe it was from uh, looking into a telescope. All right, time. right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not really a supportable theory, but I thought I floated. Yeah. <laughs> Again, not to be confused with Jimmy Webb, who wrote Wichita Lineman and MacArthur Park. Um, right. <laughs> We're really... Right. Yeah. We're really kind of descending into like retirement Sorry. home conversation now. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the man? <laughs> you guys heard that new Lady Goo Goo? <laughs> um, you heard that? Sorry. Right, so yeah. which one what do you want to talk here? about? The, the, well, um, I don't know. I let, let's let's bounce around all of them. So this is I just they're all on the uh, on the BBC News website when I was looking up uh, looking up the science stories before for the show. 
So the James Webb telescope is parked in its observing position. It's out there now. 30 days after it was launched, it's arrived at its position in space where it will observe the universe. The Lagrange Point 2, as it's known, is a million miles from Earth on its night side. Webb was finally nudged into an orbit around this location thanks to a short five-minute thruster burn. Controllers back on Earth will now spend the coming months turning the telescope, or tuning the telescope, rather, to get it ready for science. Key tasks include switching on the four instruments and also focusing its mirrors, in particular the six-and-a-half-meter-wide segmented primary reflector. It's a pretty intensive effort mm. to get all of these 18 segments from their current state and get them to act as all one big mirror, and also to get the secondary mirror into its optimized condition, says Charlie Atkinson, the chief engineer out on web at Northrop Grumman, the American aerospace company that co-led the telescope's development with NASA. We, we, we do this using science images, which is why we need to get the science instruments Instruments activated and checked out with some initial calibration work. So they do it with science instruments. Oh, science images. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Science yeah. instruments yeah. Yeah. The, for science images. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that's that's good to know. Well, Yeah, using a lot of science stuff there. Um, I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah. That's weird. That, so it's, it's arrived at the position in space where it will observe the universe. So the James Webb telescope is essentially kind of like a, maybe like a kind of creepy guy at a dance club that's just kind of leaning in the corner. Yeah. You know, he's found the spot. Kind of near near the bathrooms. Yeah. yeah. I'll just be over here a million miles away. Yeah. yeah. It's where to best observe. Um, very interesting. So they, they, uh, so they figure this out. I'm glad they figured this out using science images and instruments. It's great. Yeah, so how will this, um, I'm trying to skim this real quick to see so this is looking at the universe in just infrared light, correct? That's what, um, it's, that's what it's doing? I think that is the case. Okay, so, so this this is supposed to be the follow-up to the Hubble. This is the next big... Yeah, yes, but it's kind it's of it's a different on, deal. Totally, but it was, yeah, launched on Christmas. Just reminding everybody, you know. Um, just reminding everybody what's going on. And... Um, yeah, so it was it was launched on the Ariane Five rocket, um, and it was launched with this sort of perfect trajectory to this thing called the L two observation point, um, and uh, that's one of five gravitational sweet spots around the sun and Earth where satellites can hold their position with few orbital adjustments, thus conserving fuel. So uh, that kind of yeah. yeah, so that kind of ties into like why why the uh, space station's going to crash into earth in 2031. Yeah, um, so so it's so a lagrange point is is roughly let me get this right. It, it's pretty much roughly where the the gravitational pull of the earth and the sun kind of balance each other out so that the satellite roughly stays put. Right. So it pretty much just stays where it is. Yeah. I always thought if I ever posted up somewhere to observe the universe, I'd definitely want to be in a Lagrange point. I've always said that. <laughs> I've always said that. So it will, it will, it'll stay this distance from us. So it, its year it's gonna, is going to be our year. It's going to track us as we go around the sun, I'm assuming. Correct? Because it's only... Okay, looking at this, this, this drawing is yes. very not to scale. This drawing that shows the sun, Earth, and then Earth to the telescope. And those two, those two uh, measurements underneath them are two orders of magnitude difference but it shows them as the same so it's a hundred times closer to us than we are to the sun so okay yeah safe to say it's going to be orbiting with us yes i believe that's the case that drawing could not be more misleading even though it says it's not to scale they didn't even try (laughs) you see what i'm talking about 
Uh, no, I don't. In the middle of the article, it shows a drawing that makes it seem like it's it's 10 feet to the sun and 10 feet to this telescope, when in fact, the sun is 100 times farther away. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. But what is this cra- what, what is this impending crash that's coming in 2031? Oh, different. Oh, so that that says two different things going on. So oh, the um yeah, sorry. I, there are three different stories that I managed to select simultaneously just to make it really confusing. <laughs> so so the International Space Station, which has been up there for uh when when was it launched? I don't know. 90s? Uh, I don't know. It's been in orbit since 1998. Oh. There we go. And uh it's it's coming towards the end of its lifetime. It's got another 10 years in it, Tw- or not quite, eight years. So it's going to continue working until 2030 before plunging into the Pacific Ocean in early 2031. Um, hmm. Do, do you think they'll get everyone off it first, or do you think it's just... <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows, you know, if there's have the... Well, everyone knows if, if you jump at the last second before it hits, then you'll be in the air when it hits yeah, the ocean, so, you- so you won't, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, you guys see another thing on the side is North Korea is funding missile projects with stolen crypto. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, back to this. I was getting distracted by the sidebars. I uh... <laughs> North Korean wow. cyber attacks have stolen millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency to fund the country's missile programs. All right. Sure. Yeah, between 2020 and mid 2021, cyber attacks stole more than 50 million of digital assets. Yeah. <sighs> It all checks out. Um, okay, so the ISS, what are they going to replace that with? What's the James Webb of the ISS to Hubble thing, you know? Because you got to have a space station. I don't. I mean, I don't know if you do. I don't think you do. But I, I like knowing there's a space station. Yeah, I like knowing that at any given time, there are between, what, three and eight people in space. Yeah, yeah. feels good. Feels good <laughs> to have people in space. Um, hmm. It looks like it's going to transfer to the private sector. Great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but extension still requires the support of international partners. Funding for the ISS is currently only approved by U.S. Congress until 2024. That's fun. Oh, okay. Hey, so me- in an interview with a Russian news agency, Interfax, in December of last year, the head of Russia's space program, Dmitry Rogozin, indicated a willingness to work with NASA beyond 2024. He said, actions speak louder than words. This year, we sent a new NAUCA module to the ISS, which is, which is expected to last at least 10 years. Hmm. And uh, Let me ask you guys this, totally unrelated. When you're on, the, when you're on this, this article, right, um, right up at the top, bu- uh, right above where it says International Space Station, I crashed down to Earth in 2031, right? There's an ad, but what, it's like a targeted ad. What, do you, what ads are you guys getting? Oh, I have my blocker on. Let me turn that off. Yeah, right underneath where? Uh, you know, it says BBC News and it has all that, but then it has there's like targeted ads. What are you getting? I'm, so I'm getting this insane. I don't have children. I don't have any. I'm getting this insane thing where it's like lockets for your kids, but you get like you buy different charms for all. You, it, you know, like you, you drive behind those people and they have like the stick figure family, like the all the children <laughs> they've killed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like that kind of thing. I'm just wondering. Can you just get one of just you? For the bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, a stick figure of one guy. One guy. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> wow. That would be funny. Um, yeah. uh, my my friend uh, Angela Barnes is a comic who um, 
she was she got married a few months ago and she found some Etsy company that would give you like a locket for, like with a photo in it. So she wanted her her dead dad to be in there. And just before the wedding, she got this thing, and it is it was not her dad. It was two other guys. <laughs> that no! just got wow. <laughs> Which means also someone else who's getting married has her dad. <laughs> her dead dad somewhere. That's I wow. feel like that's the start to a, a great romantic comedy where yeah. the. People weren't yeah. supposed to be together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Finding Lester. Or whatever, <laughs> you know. And it's uh, <laughs> comes at this Valentine's Day. Um, um, so meanwhile, a, a rocket launched by SpaceX, Elon Musk company, is on a collision course with the moon. Well, you can have, you know, SpaceX, neuter sex. I don't care what kind of sex you have. Just, you know, use... Per- so, okay, so. so the Falcon 9 booster was launched in 2015, but after completing its mission, it did not have enough fuel to return towards Earth and instead remain in space. Astronomer Jonathan McDowell told BBC News it'll be the first known uncontrolled rocket collision with the moon, but the effects will be minor, he says. The rocket was abandoned in high orbit seven years ago after it completed a mission to send a space weather satellite on a million-mile journey. It was part of Musk's space exploration journey, SpaceX, um a commercial company that ultimately aims to get humans living on other planets. Since 2015, the rocket has been pulled by different gravitational forces of the Earth, Moon, and Sun, making its path somewhat chaotic, says Professor McDowell from uh, the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. It's still it's alive, been... though. It's, it's, you know... No, so... no, it's dead. It's fallen laws of gravity, he says. It's joined millions of other pieces of space junk, machinery discarded in space after completing missions without enough energy to return to Earth. But they keep track. They keep track of all this stuff. There's been maybe 50 large objects that we've totally lost track of. No. (laughs) This this may have happened a bunch of times before. We just didn't notice. This would be the first confirmed case. It's like the unmatched socks. Mm-hmm. Lost. Space exactly. Yeah, space. Just suddenly discover it when you move house. When we move to a different space, or suddenly yeah. find it. Falcon 9's projected demise was identified by journalist Eric Berger on the space website Ars Technica and by data analyst Bill Gray in his blog. The collision is due to happen on the 4th of March when the rocket will explode as it makes contact. It's I mean, if it's, if it's like a three ton or less thing, it's no big deal. It's four so. tons, Jesse. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a four ton empty metal tank with a rocket engine on the back. So if you imagine uh. throwing that at a rock at 5,000 miles an hour, it's not going to be happy, says Professor McDowell. Mm-hmm. It'll leave a small artificial crater on the moon's surface. And Bill Gray, who uses software to track near-Earth space objects, projects that it made a close flyby on the 5th of January. On the 4th of March, it's likely to hit the moon's far side. In 20, 2009, Professor McDowell and other astronomers performed an experiment in which a similar-sized rocket was crashed into the moon. Sensors gathered evidence of the collision so they could study the crater. Well, they're going to learn a lot, though. So that's no, cool. unlikely. They're unlikely to learn anything. <laughs> he he adds that while there are no... Con- I don't know why they're unlikely to learn anything new, because he's yeah. still a, doing it a second time. I guess they don't have the, all the sensors. But um, he adds that while there are no consequences now to space debris left to drift and occasionally crash, there could be in the future. Ah. If we get into the future where there are cities and bases on the moon, we want to know what's out there. It's much easier to get that organized when there's slow traffic in space rather than waiting until it's a problem. What happens between now and the 4th of March? Well, the, the rocket will continue to follow the laws of gravity, careering through space before it as, ends its days smashing into the moon. As we mm. all will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. I don't, I don't plan on flouting the... Uh... <laughs> yes, yeah, this rocket, the real outlier here, um, following the laws of gravity. Hmm. What's your, what's your guys' take on a moon base? How you feel about it? Uh, why not? 
seems like it's pretty close compared to compared to Mars. Not not too far away. Why not do it? I would go to the moon. I wouldn't go to Mars. I would go to the moon though. Yeah. So what's your preference based on? I mean, spending a year traveling versus spending four days hmm. or whatever. That's a, that's a real consideration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it would depend on what what the kind of like you know. Do we have the like flatbeds uh, and good right. in flight entertainment? No, exactly, exactly. Like what what will be served in the cabin? You know, yeah. The, can I? Yeah. Like I, I don't think I do. I don't think I do a year whole... year long journey in economy. No, like four days in um, first class, or no, four days in economy might feel like a year in first class. The other yeah, one, you know what Exa- I meant. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I have I all agree. The, the word. You just have to put the words in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to put the words in the right order. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be very strange. I guess this ties in even more with like the flat earther thing and stuff is like uh, when we have a moon base, there's going to be so many millions of people that don't believe we have a moon base. Well, you know, when you were when you were saying the law of gravity from the flat earth documentary that my friend had me watch. Um, one of their big oh yeah there was a lot um, I learned a lot um, yeah uh, but uh, one of the things that they point out or that they like to say is that there is no law of gravity it's a theory that it's always <laughs> been a, a theory and when we make it a law we we make it solid and that's just not so that, but that's forgetting the fact that the word theory, when used in a scientific context, means the most certain thing that we are, the model that <laughs> is bet. based on... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, as we all know, but that, 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 nothing, nothing in pseudoscience annoys me more than flawed semantic arguments. Yeah. Uh-huh. When they take, when they, when they don't, when they don't realize that words have lots of different meanings in English but have incredibly specific meanings in science and then they they use they use like the the poetic meaning of a word or the or just a synonym just any any version of the word any alternate definition of the word and then put it into science's equations you're like you know there's a we're all vibrations, and then and 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 Newton said that a vibration. No, no, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> but you know, there, there's there's energy. Everyone has energy, and Einstein says it equals it. Nope, nope, you can't, you can't use that version of the word energy in Einstein's equations because that's not what that energy is. Right. You it's can't like, take. It's like with all the secret and the self-help stuff of like you can visualize your way into reality because. Uh, because of nuclear physics and nothing is as <laughs> yeah. it seems it is or yep. you know, yep. of, yeah yeah that's not that's not what that equation is that's not what that's yeah. not that yeah one that's of the most not an- what that means <laughs> one of the most annoying things that's ever happened to me was um when i was uh you know andy andy and i were living together um out there and i was dating a uh, person of dating a lady that was uh, Andy. Remember, she was always over, and it was weird. And um, <laughs> well, she was but, a girlfriend. I think that they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we should girlfriend. probably specify, like, the fact that she was frequently over isn't the is is or, is that the weird part? Because if no, that is, I'm, I mean, I'm starting. I'm, I'm with Maggie on this one. In this case, I'm starting to side with her. Not, if that's not the weirdest. No, I why just is my girlfriend it. always contacting me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was this weird. Yeah, what's going? What is this? What does this mean? Stop um, gaslighting me. Yeah, that's not what gaslighting is. She's coming over. What are you, what are you talking about? You again? 
um, like last week. Yeah, no, think, no, I just I mean it was stalked by. <laughs> no, I just mean I was I was just in like a five year relationship with someone I had nothing in common with, so it was like the weirdest. You know, so I was I was said that mainly because it was probably weird for Andy, just because it was just this person that like wasn't wasn't like us, always hanging out. Um, it was very <laughs> strange. Like okay. You know what I mean, man? I, I'm gonna just let this move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you get it. I mean, and, and she had a high pitched voice and breasts, yeah. and it was. <laughs> <laughs> strange she has different organs and it was i don't understand what is this um no no whatever you know it's, it, here's my point she got really into the secret and she made a vision board one time at her apartment oh no and, yeah and i was over there and um but her vision it, her vision board i don't even think she did it right like uh like ways you want to feel or where you want your life to go or whatever and i was asking her i was like what is this you know what's going on did you make a make a collage are you getting into collages you know and <laughs> And she's like, it's a vision board. She explained to me what it was. But it was just physical things she wanted, you know? <laughs> it's not like concepts. It's, just... it's Yeah. So it had like a leather jacket on it. And I was like, what's that? She's like, I'm putting that out in the universe, you know, that I've I've want a leather jacket. I'm so, putting that out. I'm manifesting it. I want it. So I bought her one because I was her boyfriend. You manifested and, one. Yeah. And exactly. She, she manifested it. Well, so it, it pissed me off so much when she's like, the vision board works. Oh, my God. And I'm like, No. <laughs> It's like you you made a fucking Christmas list and you yeah, put it on your fridge and I tell you you addressed it to the North Pole. Yeah. Right. Like the you it it took away my power of like spending money on a leather jacket. It like made it like the universe. <laughs> like yeah, this. she she got it. She got you to but the secret would not say that she had but she was doing it wrong. The secret people would say you absolutely can put up physical things. It's yeah, I mean direct. you can't you can, but it's just like you told someone, like, "Hey, I want this thing," and then a loved oh, one got totally. you a gift. Like that's that's okay, it's but magic. Yeah. But that's not magic. That's just the thing that's always happened. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> totally. totally. Well, that's that's just your theory, uh, Jesse. I know. By, by the way, I just linked to the definition of. If anybody is just unclear on when a scientist talks about a theory, they mean an explanation of an aspect of the natural world and universe that has been repeatedly tested and corroborated in accordance with the scientific method using accepted protocols of observation, measurement, and evaluation of results. So that right. is like. As so, opposed to hypothesis, which is... Which is ah. Also, people are misusing in other ways, because like, they talk about the lab leak theory. No, it's not a theory. Theory would imply we're like certain that it's a, la it's a lab leak hypothesis about ah. the origins of COVID. Theory of gravity, which is uh, not a thing we're in doubt in any way about. It is the... <laughs> the model based on all observation and... Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Well, we're certainly yeah. in doubt about the mechanism behind it and exactly what right, causes gravity. We, but yes, yeah, we, we are certainly about we're not in doubt about is... the the fact that it exists and the effects of it. Man, yeah. I remember the early days of COVID when they they had the lab queef theory. You guys remember <laughs> the lab queef theory? <laughs> Tell no. us more, Jesse. <laughs> no, no, I don't know what I'm talking okay. about. Okay. I was just. <laughs> this is one of the ones where you have to put the I think it's called <laughs> right. theory. Have you guys heard this lab queef theory? <laughs> yeah. Oh my! I just uh, this just yeah, wait, hmm. also. Check out this leather jacket. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, people don't. Uh, yeah, theory versus hypothesis. I didn't know that. I just learned that. I didn't know. Yeah, that. I mean, again, it's I, I get we can all we can all use things how we want to colloquially. But if you're just going to like take an 
you know, if you're going to attack science for using this word and not know yeah. what they mean when they're using it, but you're the idiot. Like that's right. I'm because so, you, you're assuming they mean like, at, you know, like when you're at a bar and you're like, I have a theory. Right. That the, right. But that's not, that's a hypothesis. So, yes. By the way, I linked to, uh, there's a really fun video. I think I might have talked about this before, but whatever. It's really well done. Uh, Vsauce video where Michael Stevens, who's a great science YouTuber, talks about if the earth were flat, what other things would follow from that. And, and he also gets into like whether he thinks people actually believe this or whether it's kind of like a fun exercise in kind of trolling or, tr- or starting from a ridiculous conclusion and seeing if you can find some crazy path to justification of it like people who are asked some people who are asked how how are we like sticking to this flat earth if you don't believe in like the traditional if you believed in gravity in the traditional way and we're on a giant disc he also has an animated model of what would happen as you walk towards the edge of the disc you would be like walking parallel you'd be standing up almost parallel to the ground as the center of mass of this disc is what's pulling you towards it Uh, So this doesn't make sense. And then some people's theory is, well, we're on this disc and we don't have, gravity doesn't exist, but the disc is constantly accelerating upwards, which would have our our inertia would make it feel like there's gravity pushing us down. Yes, we're shooting up. Yeah. So that's one of the ways they get around it. And, you know, they're all ridiculous, but it's kind of fun if you look at it from the standpoint of like, people probably don't believe it. It's probably just a fun excuse to get together with your friends as that documentary showed it's just this is just these people's circle of friends and they can't turn back now or else they wouldn't have their friends so is my theory at least the documentary hypothesis the the documentary i watched was six parts it was an intense document like they they oh this is not the one that i was thinking there because there's the the one on netflix that's just sort of one hour or like 80 minutes or something that one's a little more... Re- now, this one... And I don't know maybe everybody knows this, but the flat Earth theory is basically that it's uh, around us is the Arctic shelf. So on yes. that, we're like a snow yeah. globe. And uh-huh. the Arctic shelf... And basically, they had their proof was they got in a little plane and tried to fly over the Arctic shelf. Uh-huh. And another aircraft vehicle tried to get them to go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a, like a Russian fighter jet? Like a... <laughs> they were like, and then, you know, it's like this terrible... <laughs> so, They're keeping so, the secret! <laughs> so wow. is that, that's the man trying to protect the, protect the lie? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were about guy. to fly over a Russian nuclear facility, and uh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. If NASA's not lying, how do you explain that when I tried to break into NASA, they told me to stop? <laughs> <laughs> what are you hiding? <laughs> yeah. So think about what, that. Why am I not allowed to camp in the front yard of the head of NASA if, if they're telling the truth? You ask me that. I suggest you let that one marinate. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's wow. It's weird that it's only um, that they're like that they go with flat Earth. You think there would just be more shapes, more conspiracies about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that like I don't know, heart-shaped Earth. Like, why not? Once you're making shit up, well, that could still be flat. Oh, you mean like two-dimensional but different, fun like cookie-cutter shapes? That's yeah, fun. I don't know. Why not do that? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I'm down. Um, Maggie, before we go, uh, tell us about this book. How can our listeners find you? How can they find the book? How can they? Uh, how can they get? up in your business well it's called easy street it's available pretty much anywhere 
Amazon and local bookstores, and I do an, I do the audio book, so it's also on Audible, and I'm going to find out other venues that it's on as well, but um, most everywhere. Yeah, that's going to be my uh, my drive back from Vegas is going to be accompanied by Maggie reading reading I, to me. Which is, yeah, and I have a I have a massive drive this week too. I'm gonna listen. I'm going to uh, yeah. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna listen to it. Thanks. Highly recommend it. Yeah, All of right. course. You, you're also a trained actor. So oh be, yes. Be oh. well read. It'll, it'll. So I'm I'm expecting to enjoy that. So check that out. Go. That's Maggie Rowe, Easy Street. We'll put links in the show notes. You can find us as always. Probablyscience.com. Uh, you, that's also where our PayPal link. Thank you, PayPal donors, and our Patreon link. Thank you, Patreon people. We're going to do an extra little story after this just for the Patreon people. Well, have you guys so been making? You. Have you guys been making money? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. We don't. We don't get any money, but we just Jeez. do it for the. Oh. <laughs> uh, Unreal. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. At probably science on Twitter individually at Andy T Wood at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen. Also Facebook slash probably science for your Facebook people. Uh, thank you all of you, uh, Maggie. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. And listeners, see you next time. Bye.